The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Sim Trainer. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to the Saturday afternoon broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro in with Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can call us at the range at 937-293-3914, or you can stop down and see us during our limited hours at 2031 Dryden Road in Moraine. And from now until the end of the month, our hours will be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 4 to 8 p.m., Tuesday and Thursday from 12 to 4 p.m., and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., we will look at how things are going here at the end of the month and consider opening up full go here uh, by the end of the month and see what's going on moving forward. But those are our hours, and you can always check those hours if you didn't get them uh, or have a chance to write them down if you're traveling or whatever the case might be by just going to our website at sim-trainer.com, and uh, you can see our hours on the on the homepage. Um, this show is typically all about guns, gun-related uh, legislation, picking a gun, gun training, whatever the case is. And and we've been doing this now for going on 11 years, and we're very proud to uh, be the Dayton area's first range or first facility that has uh, uh, kind of given gun owners a voice. And uh, we've kind of expanded our topics over the last several weeks because right now there is a, a movement uh, afoot nationwide to limit the Second Amendment, to limit the First Amendment, to tr to tread on the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, basically to deprive individual rights. And um, we've tried to expand on those topics and then kind of bring them together to tie them into uh, gun-related uh, legislation. But right now, and right before the show, Mark and I uh, was were talking about this uh, $3 trillion um, bill that's being proposed by the Democrats and um, some of the things that it's loaded with. And uh, the first thing I have to say is another $3 trillion on, top of, on top of what we've already spent is going to put us in an uh, uh, even worse situation down the road. And I know there are people who right away say, well, um, you know, we need to we need to help the people that need it. I, I agree with that. But I, I find it hard to believe that we need to spend $3 trillion on helping the people that need it. Which is a total of $6 trillion when you really can, when you consider what's already been done and what they're proposing to come up by sometime this week. They're expecting to have discussions in the House about that. Uh, may well get tried to get rammed through. Uh, I hope people take time to look at it. We're talking about over 1,800 pages again in another bill. And the biggest problem with the way a lot of these bills are written is that it's very difficult to find out what is actually covered in the bill. In this particular one, it's been discovered that they're talking about providing funding for nonprofit agencies. And among those nonprofit agencies are several that really want to take away your right to keep member arms. Basically, those that have been funded by Michael Bloomberg. And that would include Every Town for Gun Safety and Mothers Against um, 
I forget what the the name of it is, but it's basically the the uh, Shannon Watts organizations and and these all of them funded by the Joyce Foundation and Michael Bloomberg. Uh, so these are these are serious problems when you consider that the federal government is funding organizations whose main objective is to take away the rights guaranteed to you by the Constitution. Uh, whether it be the Second Amendment or any other. And Mark, it's so unfortunate when you talk about an 1,800-page bill, um, the people who write this legislation, when they have wrongful intentions, they know that those are the sorts of things that tend to slip through, especially in times of of a crisis. As, as uh, right now, there's a, a perception of a nationwide crisis, um, regardless of where you stand on, on the issue. And there are people who are trying to take advantage of that. And that's, that's very unfortunate. And when you look at the total amount of money and the things that they're trying um, to get passed, um, especially in a bill where, uh, and I can talk about this because I've been a personal, um, I've personally been affected adversely by the Unaffordable Care Act. And I can call it that because I had good insurance before I was forced on the, onto the Unaffordable Care Act. And if you remember, there were famous words by Nancy Pelosi when she said, we have to pass the bill before we can read the bill and know what's in it. That's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I know that there has been legislation for many years that those of us who are now pretty vigilant, we weren't as vigilant in the past, and the same thing happened um, in the past. This isn't something new. This just didn't start happening in the last five or 10 or 15 years. Those kinds of uh, bills have been going through Congress for, for many years. Uh, but the point is, right now, we are very vigilant and paying attention to what's going on. And we need to know specifically, and as Mark said in our discussion right before the show, the problem is they make reference to certain sections of law, but they don't explain what the certain sections of law are. And they rely on the reader to go back and read another several hundred pages or another 10 or 15 or 20 pages to find out what the reference refers to and that can get very complicated it can and but to be completely fair i understand why they do that so that any particular uh, definitions or any terms those are only identified in one place and if there's a change they don't have to go looking throughout all of the u.s code to find all the different places that we have to change and we see that right now when bills go through the ohio general assembly sometimes those bills are hundreds of pages long because they quote all of the different references where that particular code is adjusted. And so they have to make adjustments throughout the code. And and that's what they're trying to avoid. So I understand the rationale for only talking about and describing something in one place. But when you have a bill that funds something that is called out in a completely different section of U.S. code, it's important that you go actually track down what all of those things are because something can look very innocuous and then it turns out to be something that absolutely should not be funded. It's not related in any way to this pandemic. It's not related in any way to any sort of crisis. It's an opportunity to get something funded and that's where we have to be vigilant. Well, mark it again. Um, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. I think the people that need it need to get it some way, somehow. One problem I have right now with what's what's been going on over the last six to eight weeks is I personally know several people, not just one or two, who are actually making more money on unemployment right now than had they been working. Now, and that's I know one that of the problems that some of the restaurants are having because they're, they're concerned they may not be able to get enough staff to open for that very reason. Absolutely. Now, think about that. Here we are. This Our economy is driven by people who are going to go out and work to be productive. They make money. They spend money. And the cycle kind of continues. But when you start to interfere with the work cycle, 
Um, I'm very concerned about where that's going to lead us. And the, the, the answer of just dil, you know, dishing out more money doesn't seem to be a, a short-term, mid-term, or long-term solution. Again, let's focus on the people that need it, and let's get those people the, the resources, whether it's money or, or goods or whatever the case might be, to get them through a tough time. Well, let's get people back to work. Yes. That's the main thing. So, you know, we get people, get an opportunity for people to go back and do what they're trained to do, what they normally do, the kinds of things that they would normally be doing on a daily basis, and return operation, return the generation of, of revenue, the generation of value, which is where income really comes from, and put that back where it needs to be in this economy. The economy was roaring until this thing hit, and, and it's been shut down with millions of people out of work simply because the government said, you can't work. That needs to stop. Now, I recognize there are some people who are at risk, and we need to take care of those people, and those people, those are the people, people who are at risk, who are unable to work because their health would be at risk, or maybe they would cause a problem for other people. I get that. That's, that's the kind of thing where this sort of assistance would be, would be appropriate. Absolutely. It still bothers me. I think that should be done by charities rather than by the government, but the, but the government has overridden that decades ago. And I think we need to return to that, but this is not the time to do that. We need to get back to a situation where people are working, people are doing what they need to do. They're generating income, generating revenue for themselves and for their companies that they work for. And then, of course, that will generate tax revenues back to the government. And some of this stuff that we've already paid because of the damage that was done by this virus we would start to recover from financially. You know, Mark, and, and again, I, I just want to bring up one more issue that really bothers me as you hear people using the phrase new normal. I want you to erase that from your vocabulary. I want to get back to normal, what it was. I don't want a new normal. Um, I don't know what those people have in mind. I kind of have an idea what they that they have in mind. And I think some of the people, and you've heard uh, a couple of the, the, the very uh, progressive um, extremist uh, liberal politicians say that they want uh, everybody to have a baseline income and start at that and then give them additional right. supplemental income. And one of them even went on record the past week or two and said, no, we don't want people to return to work as we know it. Well, um, let me tell you that uh, whether it's the restaurant industry, uh, metal fabrication uh, building, a shooting range, whatever the case might be, uh, once we resume operations, once we take the reasonable precautions we have to take in the short term to um, uh, reduce the, the potential transmission or uh, of the disease, um, we're going to get back to doing things the way we were. We're going to sit people at tables uh, facing, you know, four to a table facing each other. We're going to have people check in at the shooting range at the front desk and they're going to get their target after they buy their box of ammo. They're going to go out to the stall. It's going to be business as usual the way it was, not a new normal. And I'm real, I'm real concerned about the people who want to, to really change the way we talk as a way to the change, as, as well as change the way we exist. Because new normal, I'm concerned with that kind of talk. I, I couldn't agree more. The other thing is that when you have been operating in a particular way for a period of time, you tend to start to accept that even though you might not really like it. You would have certainly never chosen it. But your guard starts to get worn down. And, and I think we're at the risk of that. It only takes about two months or a little bit more than that for someone to really change a new habit. And if that's what we allow to happen, if we don't hold fast 
to what has been going on and recognize that this is temporary and we can't allow it to become permanent, I think that we as a country are at great risk. We've lost many of the country's original founding principles. We must get back to that. And a work ethic, the um, individual uh, responsibility and the individual going out and, and being a pioneer. We have lost a lot of that. There are still entrepreneurs. There are still pioneers in this in this society. But far too many people are just saying, you know, that's too much risk. I can't afford to do that. And so I just want to go along and get along. And I'm kind of tired of doing that. I am. I spent 20 years in the military. I never went with the go along, get along. It probably limited my career. I'm okay with that because I held true to my principles and always tried to do what was the right thing, even if it wasn't the politically correct thing. In fact, especially if it wasn't the politically correct thing. I did thing. the same thing in my police career, Mark. I was always the one that was looking to um, not maintain the status quo, but to think outside the box, whether it be to solve problems. Uh, one of the big things that I was involved in throughout my career was training. And if I stuck to the norms and did everything, you know, that was economically affordable, we wouldn't have had much advanced training because sometimes when you try to push the plate, there's a little bit more cost involved because you're being a little bit more innovative. You have to get right. some equipment. Same thing applies across the board. And these businesses, like you mentioned, the businesses that are entrepreneurial that have been out there, they started their business, they've maintained their business this hit all of a sudden there was a sudden stop they're ready to get up and going again i know personal people i have family relatives that have businesses that are staged to get back to to normal not a new normal as soon as they can so i just hate for people to use those terms and to make uh, uh, others think that that's something other than what it really is the biggest problem with as soon as they can is that there's a couple of definitions of that so as soon as they can do so with reasonable safety and understanding the precautions and understanding the risks and then doing what they need to do and accepting responsibility for their own actions, that's the definition I would use. That's not the definition that we're currently hearing out of Columbus in Ohio. So out of Columbus, it's all about, well, we have to do everything safe. I'm sorry, folks. We do not have a guarantee of safety in this world. We certainly don't have a guarantee of safety from the government. And as long as we allow the government to try to do everything possible to make you safe, you're going to lose all your liberties in exchange for that. And you don't deserve to be safe at the risk of losing your liberties. All right, we need to take a first break for the hour. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Please go to our website at sim-trainer.com. Go to the contact link and send us an email. We would love to hear from you. We will likely be live on the radio again before this whole thing is over. But in the meantime, send us your notes and your comments, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. For now, this is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and uh, I want to remind our listeners that Shooting from the Hip is dedicated to anything and everything about guns. Um, if you have a question, please make sure that you submit that question to us. Go to our website at sim-trainer.com um, and under the contact uh, uh, 
tab, you can go ahead and send us an email, and we'd be more than glad to uh, discuss that. We'll respond to you individually, or we will bring it up in a subsequent show if it's something that we think would be beneficial to the broader audience. Today, we're just kind of talking about what's going on relative to kind of the world, the United States, and the situation it's in right now, particularly the, the proposal for another $3 trillion uh, package uh, passing through Congress. And I just want to mention, when we talk about things like normal and new normal, over the past six to eight uh, weeks, there have been record gun sales in the United States. And both March and April set all-time highs. March set an all-time high prior to March, and then April, believe it or not, set another all-time high relative to March. So, And, and to be fair... March hadn't shut down yet at the beginning of the month. So here we were shut down for all of April and gun sales were even higher than they were in March. So, yeah. yeah. And there's, there's another thing that a lot of things tied to that, but uh, people said that they're concerned about more people with guns going to be more people doing bad things. Well, here again, remember more people with guns is not the problem. Bad guys with guns who choose to engage in criminal activity are the problem. They always have been the problem. They will always be the problem. When you look at the numbers of people, and we're talking in the hundreds of thousands more people who bought guns over the last couple of months, and yet violent crime concerning law-abiding citizens hasn't changed one iota. If anything, it's down. The one exception to that might be people who have never had guns before and are getting guns for the first time and they're not getting proper training. And and that's something, of course, that is high on our list of priorities. And one of the reasons why we've stayed open and continued having private lessons and concealed carry classes and so forth, because if people bought guns, we want to make sure they know how to handle them safely and properly. Well, that's the second prong, Mark. I mentioned that there hasn't been an increase in gun violence. There also hasn't been, at least as of now, an increase in... In accidents involving guns. Yeah, and now, we and, don't know. And that that's a little hard to see because it's yeah, a delay. There's usually a delay when that information's out there. And just like you said, Mark, that's what we're trying to do is make sure those people get the training they need. But if it was happening, we'd hear about it in the news. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we'd be taking action to help sure. mitigate. And we have been doing things here at the range to encourage those people to come down here and get basic firearm safety. We've told them from the beginning, you don't have to get your concealed carry license. You don't have to go through the full eight-hour class in order to have a gun at your home loaded and ready at hand for personal safety and self-defense. That would be the case in certain other places people might uh, might go where they're lawfully allowed to uh, have a firearm on the on the premises. But uh, um, but you do need to be safe. That's that's the key thing. You got to be safe. And we want people to reach out to us because rather than run out and grab a gun, and a lot of people did that, come down here, talk to us on, uh, send us a, 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 an email, come and see us. And uh, we want to talk to you about gun selection. We can talk about the different options are available. We can talk about the different training, whether it's our specific classes um, or uh, individual lessons. We do uh, individual and small group lessons as well as small classes now because all of our class sizes, at least now through the end of the month, are at half capacity. So they're very small. We're maintaining, we're keeping, we're making sure that we keep the proper uh, spatial distancing in class. So if you're interested in doing that, please give us a call. Yeah, and you can call us here at the range at area code 937-293-3914. If there's nobody here when you call, just leave a message and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's It's been an interesting several weeks. I mean, we're now going on two months with this with this whole you know, restriction, with the with the re, the limits on what people are allowed to do and the, what people even want to do. And I understand particularly where people are at risk that they don't want to get out. So this is a time for people to 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 finish up those things and, and get ready for 
for stuff to open again. All right, we're going to take a break now and uh, we'll head out to the news. Please uh, check our website at sim-trainer.com and, and send us something at the contact link if you've got some questions that you'd like to ask us. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. And uh, I want to switch gears just a little bit today and uh, talk about an incident that's made the news, and that's uh, a a shooting down in Georgia where um, uh, a father and a son were in a residence and they saw what they thought was an individual that was uh, involved in uh, stealing from some vacant properties or abandoned properties in the area. And they gave chase. And uh, what you saw on the news was a pickup truck come to a stop, a man standing up uh, in the back of the bed of the pickup truck on it with a, with a cell phone to his ear. And then you saw another individual, uh, the son, the younger of the two, uh, get out with a, I believe it was a shotgun, and confront this individual. There was an altercation uh, that occurred that you can see where they're tugging and pushing and, and, and uh, going back and forth with the shotgun. And ultimately, um, the, uh, the young white male ended up shooting the uh, black male uh, three times. Now, uh, I bring that up because I want to talk just about the circumstances. And I want to remind people because especially now we've had people who have just bought guns. There was one lady in particular who called and said that her friend told her she has, uh, she lives in a house on a street where she owns two other properties that she's bought. And they're in the process of flipping. Nobody is in those residences, but, uh, over the, the previous several weeks, people had been breaking into or going through the unlocked doors of the residences that are being refurbished and stealing uh, supplies, uh, stuff that's been dropped off, tools, whatever the case might be. And she said she's had it and she wanted to get a gun. And her friend said if somebody broke into the house, she'd be justified and shoot him. And I, I, I immediately told her absolutely not. Um, in that particular case where somebody breaks into or walks into an unoccupied dwelling and you're coming from another location, you would not be able to use deadly force based on the facts that I gave you right there, absent any other facts, which could ultimately result in it becoming a deadly force situation. But I made it very clear that she wouldn't be able to do that. And I told her it's probably a good idea that she come to our class, uh, either to the concealed carry class or to the defensive force decisions class that we have that we offer periodically so they can get a good understanding of the law because uh, getting a gun doesn't mean you can use the gun. And in the case in in Atlanta, uh, the best thing to do in cases like that is to be a good observer and call the police, plain and simple. Um, I know there's been a lot of debate online because we don't know all the facts, but based on the limited information that we know and the little bit more information we've gotten, when you have somebody that's going into an unoccupied structure and stealing whatever it is, and, and please understand, let's say, for example, you bought a house to flip and you bought the nicest uh, a circular saw that's on the market right now and it's in that place and you know the person is walking out the door with it you can't use your gun to stop them you're going to have to call the police you can yell and say hey stop put that down um, you could even physically confront them if you felt that you had the ability to do that but you can't thought use it was deadly wise. force yeah you can't use deadly force so the best situation would be to call the police and let them uh, 
deal with the situation. Now, that situation is loaded with a lot of issues. There's there's racial slurs being thrown back on both sides. There's, uh, you know, it, it was a racist situation. The bottom line, the way I look at it is, based on the limited information we have at this point, there was no reason for either of the individuals who are charged with murder to have used deadly force or been involved in that situation the way they were. They would have been better off just calling the police, maybe following with their pickup truck if the person was on foot. They said he was jogging through the neighborhood, just following him and staying on the cell phone and just directing the police basically to where they are. Let the police um, confront the individual, get his information, go back and conduct the investigation backwards. That would have best been the, the option in that particular case. But and unfortunately, as you said, we really don't have a lot of information on this yet. It's, yeah. We have the video. The video is one perspective, as is always the case in video. It doesn't show you what happened before the video recorded. You can only see what that narrow view of the camera is. So although the, the video might be very useful in providing information that otherwise wouldn't be available, it by no means tells the whole story. So we're holding back any kind of judgment as to say who was right and who was wrong in this. But the point is that there is a situation there where someone has died and it and from the appearance, it seems like deadly force may not have been justified. Yes, absolutely. And that's the point I want to make. I want people to understand that deadly force in the state of Ohio. Now, the laws are different from state to state. Deadly force in the state of Ohio is justified when you believe your life or someone else's life is in eminent jeopardy. And what that means, that's kind of legalese for saying that if you don't use deadly force, someone else or you are probably going to be killed. Now, or at least seriously injured, put in the hospital. And oh, by the way, that does include sexual assault. Yes, yes. And so there's a, um, there, there's a lot of, uh, when you look at the law, um, there's a lot of misconceptions. And there are a lot of people, and we've had people in class, and Mark's mentioned this on previous shows. People say, well, what if I'm walking my dog and, a, and my dog happens to do his business on somebody else's yard and somebody comes out with a, um, a, 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 a shovel and kills my dog? Well, unfortunately... Uh, you can't defend your dog and use deadly force against a human against a human yeah. being. And and that's I mean, that is absolutely wrong behavior on the part of that person. And they would probably be charged. But if you go at them with deadly force and you shoot them, now you have a problem, a bigger problem than they would have. Now, Mark, I know you've said this to people and they don't like it. And nope. I'm going to say it right here. A dog is property. Absolutely and true. It's not a person. Same it's as not true even for a horses, person. cats. Any other animals, animals or property. I'm not a dog person. And as much as I wouldn't want somebody to mess up my pickup truck, my pickup truck is your dog, so to speak. Okay, that's the way I kind of look at it. I, I, I value my pickup truck because my pickup truck has saved me a lot of physical a grief because I get up and into my pickup truck rather down into a car. So I'm able for the, my later years, live a, a reasonably comfortable life free of the pains and aches that I had when I was getting in and out of a car, much of that while I was in my police career. But then once I realized that, uh, it was nice to get up into a truck, I bought trucks instead of cars. Absolutely. And that's kind of how and I go, but I'm I'd be not in going same, back either. Yeah, I'd be in the same situation. If somebody was trying to steal from or steal my pickup truck out of my driveway the day after I bought it, even if I had to, if I was lucky enough and, and I was able to pay cash for it, I, I couldn't use deadly force to stop somebody. I'd have to be a good witness. Um, um, and in, in, in my age and in my condition these days, I wouldn't confront people. I'm not going to chase I'm, anybody it's down. Not, it's not the situation that I, I want to be involved in. But I want people to understand that uh, 
the use of deadly force is a serious matter. It's to be used in most cases as a last resort. That doesn't mean you have to exhaust all other means uh, because another example would be some people say, well, one of the three elements in, in uh, uh, the use of deadly force being justified in Ohio is uh, you got three, basically. What I just said, um, you believe your life or someone else's life and this is an eminent jeopardy. The two, others, start it. the two others are you didn't start it. And then one I want to talk about now is there's no duty to retreat. Now, that's the one that's been most controversial. But let's face it. Well, Mark and I, we're not going to be able to run from anybody. Well, there is a duty. to There's a legal duty to retreat. The question is, you. I mean, the, the, the requirement is that you have a duty to retreat to the extent that you can do so safely. Yes. And, and that last bit is really important because although you may have a legal duty to retreat, if somebody else has a gun, your ability to retreat is basically zero. You're not going to outrun a bullet. And if you're like us, you know, I never ran fast. Hard is as good as I got. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And the same thing would be if they had a ball bat, a knife, or any other object that you felt would, if you weren't able to use deadly force to stop them, because running wouldn't be an option. I'm like Mark. I kind of, I I, I rumble. Uh, You know, they used to, when I was in school. Don't try to stop me if I'm moving. That's exactly right. Don't get in my way. They used to call me, when I was in grade school, they wrote up in the school paper when we played football, I was a running back. They called me Jeff Logs Pedro. Well, because I ran like a log rolling down down the, you know, they're not moving very fast, but like you said, don't don't try to stop it. (laughs) But I can't get away from people. So um, that's the case. But I just want people, when you look at these situations, um, to think and and don't think that getting the gun is the cure-all. I think getting the gun and having the capacity if you need it is the best thing. But I think getting the training on how to use the gun and getting the training on when it's legally uh, justified to use the gun is kind of the, 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 the holistic approach to, to this whole decision rather than just going into getting a gun, loading it and putting it in a drawer and hoping nothing happens or hoping that if you need it, you'll be able to handle it. And let me add that the gun forums and the, the groups on Facebook are not your best source for accurate information. Uh, I know that's a surprise to some people, but the interwebs does have some wrong information out there. So get the real information. I would recommend you read the law as dry as that is. Uh, it will actually help you once you get through that and understand it. At the very least, even if you're not getting your concealed handgun license, get the book from the Attorney General's website that talks about Ohio concealed carry law. Download that book, read it cover to cover, be very familiar with it because it does cover the use of force and when it's appropriate, as well as some of the administrative things associated with getting your license and where you're allowed to carry when you have a license and so forth. But that's not the key aspect that you need if you're just staying at home, if you have your own firearm and you're defending yourself in your home, there are still some very important parameters about when it's appropriate and when it is not appropriate to use deadly force. And if you don't know that, you can put yourself in far more legal jeopardy than you would have been in safety jeopardy or jeopardy for your life before using the firearm. Well, you know, another issue that comes up, uh, particularly now and has come up over the last six to eight weeks with people who are thinking about uh, getting a gun or having a firearm for self-defense um, the issue comes up as to which firearm is appropriate. Would it be a semi-automatic pistol? Would it be a revolver, a shotgun, or a rifle? Well, the answer kind of comes down to the individual in the circumstances. And that's a discussion I think it's important that uh, we have, and you give us the opportunity to look at the totality of the circumstances surrounding where you live, your life circumstances, how many people are in your house, uh, that sort of thing, because there's not one answer for every person. And there are people, um, for example, there was a lady who said her, uh, 
grandfather uh, had passed down a shotgun and it turned out that many of the shotguns that get passed down aren't necessarily in good shape and shouldn't shouldn't necessarily be used for self-defense but this was a popular gun that could be used for self-defense and or for sporting purposes and it turned out that i was able to train her because she said if she could, she would like to to use that. I was able to train her on how to use that shotgun um, as the one that she, since she already had it, and she wasn't really interested in handguns. She had done some shooting with the shotgun out on the farm years ago when she visited her grandfather, and so that worked out. So in that particular case, that was the that was a good situation. In other cases, that would not be the situation. A shotgun might not be the best option. And then the other thing that frequently comes up is somebody says, well, you know, my, my friend is a security guard, and he likes Glock, so I went and I bought this Glock. Well, the Glock they bought might not be the right one. A semi-automatic pistol may not be the right answer. A revolver might be better. Or it could be reverse. Somebody says, hey, somebody told me it's it's simple for you to use a revolver. It's true. But if you can't pull the trigger on the revolver, like is the case with some revolvers, that's not necessarily the option. So there are a lot of issues that go into that decision. And right now, if you're struggling with that, you're thinking about that, or you've already made the purchase, and now you're second guessing, at least have the discussion. We're more Our, our advice is free when it comes to things like that. We can steer you down the right down the right path. And one of those paths is probably going to be training. And in addition to um, trying out a variety of different guns, if the one that you have isn't necessarily the one that's right for you. But we'll help you find that out for yourself rather than letting somebody else just make an idle uh, recommendation and you go with it. And if you haven't purchased that gun yet, we really recommend that you get the training first. And we will help you identify if you I mean, if you get training here, we have several guns that you can try. We can get you to um, figure out which gun works best for you. There's a lot of great guns out there, but not every gun is great for everybody. So if we help you figure out which gun works best for you, then when you go to buy that gun, you'll know before you even purchase the firearm that it will work for you when you go back to the range and start to get some time in practice with it. All right, we um, we still have just a, a few seconds left before we need to take another break. Mark, I just want to mention one other thing sure. is ammunition. Yeah, People go out and buy ammunition. When you walk to a big box store, you see a huge uh, counter. It might be 10 or 15 feet wide, 5 feet tall, and it'll have 12 different kinds of ammunition. We can help you through that process, too. The bottom line is most of the American-made ammunition is good. All ammunition will do the job. It's just some do it better than others, and we can have that discussion to help you work through those kind of complexities. All right, it's time for our last break for the hour, but if you'd like to contact us, please go to our website at sim-trainer.com and then click on the contact link and it will open a page for you to send us an email and we'll get back to you as quickly as we can with that information and possibly include your question on a future show. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. We're so glad that you joined us today. I want to take the last few minutes to talk about some things that are going on at the range. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you didn't realize this, we have reduced hours through the end of the month. We're open from uh, um, 4 to 8 p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
12 to 4 p.m. on Tuesday and Thursday, and 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday from now until the end of the month. Um, another thing I want to let you know is that uh, because our classes have been uh, reduced to 10 in number, we're adding classes now. We just add another concealed carry class on Saturday, May 30th. Um, everything is filling up because we went from 20 to 10, and so we're going to need to um, increase the number of classes at least for the next month or so to make sure everybody's needs are met. So uh, we have a couple people already registered in that uh, May uh, 30th class, but that's a Saturday class that goes from 9 to 6. We also have a Saturday class that is not full yet on June 13th from 9 to 6, and uh, the class that we have during the week for this month is Wednesday and Thursday, uh, May 20th to 21st. That's already filled up, and the class that is the third week, it's the third Wednesday and Thursday in June, is just now starting to get people to register. And and this may be, this month by the end of the 30th, uh, might be our last of the limited class sizes. We won't know that yet. For right now, the registration is still capped at 10, and then as we get closer to that time and know what we can do and can do safely, we will we will uh, update those. So um, if you'd like to get into the next available class, that is going to be on the 30th of this month, on May 30th, Saturday from 9 to 6 p.m. And we are still offering a modified version of our training pass. Because ammo has been so hard to get, we do no longer provide the ammo for those classes. We can certainly get the ammo, and you just pay that as additional charge. But our training pass is still a great deal. You get the basic handgun class where you get to try all the popular guns that are currently on the market that you want to try you get the training you get your concealed carry class you get to use whatever gun that you liked in the basic class as well as you get a, um, a three-month membership to the range so you're getting a 285 dollars value for 200 dollars. so that's a great option and that's uh, spelled out on our website in a couple different places that's called the training pass not the training pass plus the training pass plus is for people who want to go on to uh, some of our advanced training series of classes and take a look at that if you're interested in in doing that. In addition, I wanted to mention that uh, Mark was so nice to uh, uh, be able to get his hands on one of the Ruger 5.7 pistols, and he has uh, allowed us to keep it here at the range through the end of May. And if you're interested in trying the Ruger 5.7, which is a very fun gun to shoot, and a lot of people have been waiting a long time to try it, since he's uh, let us use it for nothing, all you have to do is pay for a box of ammunition. Now, I will just let you know a box of ammunition is $30, but it's going to be one of the best $30 you spent because it's going to be one of the funnest guns that you've shot in a long time so that's uh, um, another opportunity that you'll have here um, uh, at sim trainer so if you're interested in doing that we've also opened up um, new memberships for people who want to join as either a a three-month membership or a full year membership we have those available for new members coming in and there's a lot of you out there who are now looking for a place to shoot some of the other places either either haven't opened up or they're so busy Uh, that's not the case here but we do require you to buy at least a quarterly membership or a full year membership in order to join and become a member and start shooting here. And you'll time. also have a background check. And so that if you have a concealed handgun license, that'll satisfy your background check. Or if you're taking the concealed carry class in anticipation of getting your license, we'll, uh, we'll delay that. But Go ahead, due to, due to yeah. the recency of people buying guns, if exactly. they can produce the receipt and show us that they bought a gun recently and going through the background check, not from a private individual, but from a legitimate gun dealer, that satisfies the requirement. Well, folks, thanks very much for being with us today. We've had a lot of fun, and I hope that you'll uh, join us back on our, find us on our website and join us back on the air next week. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.